Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet actor, producer, and best-selling writer Robert Knott, co-founder and CEO of Citizen University, Eric Liu, and American historian Jill Lepore. From a beloved and uniquely American genre of fiction to meditations about our country today, the United States of America plays a big role in what inspired each of these authors' audiobooks. Plus, find out which author has been told he sounds just like actor Rob Lowe. Enjoy. Hi, this is Robert Knott, author of Buckskin. What inspired me to write it? A few things. Maybe the main reason is I think the Western genre deserves texture. We sometimes forget that the world is huge, and it was huge then as it is now. There was a diversity of cultures, characters and stories that made up the American West. We're not just outlaws and lawmen or cowboys and Indians or homesteaders and whores. So with Buckskin, like with the previous Western novels I've written, I want us to feel as though there is more to the landscape than meets the eye, if that makes sense. With each of these books, I have also, you know, brought women into my stories who are not just whores or homemakers. This Western Buckskin has five women who are all an integral part of the plot, and not one of them is a whore or a housekeeper, per se. Maybe some of them had a checkered past, but they have meaning and strong perspectives. Loss and greed are a big part of this particular book as well. I'm also forever fascinated with how uncontrollable circumstances affect a person's existence. And with that, comes identity, and identity is a big part of the themes that are at play here, too, with Buckskin. If I had to describe what it is like to record my audiobook in one word, butt-puckering. <laughs> really, I was like, who wrote this? Who puts a handful of bad guys, two Irishmen, a Frenchman, and three women in one chapter, all talking at the same time? Was there anything I couldn't pronounce? Yeah, pretty much. I'm not very good with Spanish. And I had two of the greatest directors. Christina Rooney was amazing. She helped me with my Spanish. And uh, Kim Smith made things really easy for me and very comfortable. I'm very grateful for both of them. I guess same as writing a script. I'm most proud of... The end, when you get done. <laughs> Seriously, I'm excited that listeners are on an adventure with Hitch and Cole and me. I kind of write this series for us to be on a journey together or in the saddle, as it were, with Hitch and Cole. So to have things unfold for them as they unfold for us in the telling is thrilling for me, especially on an emotional level as opposed to a plot level. The reader hopefully feels what the characters feel as they experience them throughout. Who would be my dream narrator, living or dead, to read this book? Well, I think casting is, frankly, the key to life on every level. 
Basically, I feel, and I've learned this by being in the booth myself, that this is a particular part of the brain that not very many people deal with. It's easy to sit down and read a book. And when all the characters come to life, we use our imaginations to, you know, flesh these characters out in our own minds. But when you're in the booth, you have to bring a new life to each and every character and follow the arc of that character. So with that being said, my hat is off to the artists who do audiobooks. It ain't easy. In the past, my good friend Rex Lynn has been reading these novels, and I think Rex is fantastic. Fortunately for him, he was busy. He had on-screen acting work that conflicted. So you have moi. I've enjoyed it. I like listening to audiobooks when I jog. The last audio book that I listened to that I loved was maybe, well, there's two that I really like. The Iliad. I really enjoyed Derek Jacoby. Really fantastic. And I like Roy George Treese a lot, the guy that does the Game of Thrones. That guy, man, that guy's so good. This is Eric Liu. This book is born in many ways out of the moment we're in in the United States, where people across the country, across left and right, are finding their voice, are re-entering civic life and the political arena. People are realizing that they have to start showing up in a different way, have to start reaching out, have to start engaging in ways that break this doom loop of dehumanizing, polarizing politics. And people are hungry for some space where they can come together, make meaning together with people who might not be exactly like them. But that's the point. And what this book consists of is a collection of what I call civic sermons that I wrote and delivered all across the United States between 2016 and 2018 in a ritual that my organization, Citizen University, started doing all around the country called Civic Saturdays. Civic Saturdays are a ritual that's a a civic analog to a faith gathering. We bring people together, we sing, we turn to the strangers next to us to discuss common questions. There's readings of poetry and scripture, and of course a sermon. But the poetry and the song and the scripture and the sermon are not from church or mosque or synagogue. They are civic. They are drawn from our shared civic traditions and our shared history of claiming and contesting those ideals and those traditions. And so this book is responding both to the times, but also rooting ourselves in a deeper sense of place, history, responsibility, and belonging. If I had to describe in one word what it was like to record this audiobook, I think I would actually use the word exhilarating. Because the contents of this book are indeed civic sermons that I had written and composed to be read aloud at Civic Saturday gatherings where I was speaking these sermons. And so in most cases, I hadn't revisited these texts before coming to record this audiobook. And what was exhilarating was, number one, realizing even though each sermon refers to controversies and challenges and ethical choices of a given moment, which might now be many months past, that the deeper underlying questions and challenges that we were reckoning with are timeless, are in some ways more urgent today than they might have been a year or two ago. So that was thrilling. But the other piece that was thrilling was also recognizing that these words were created in some ways more for the ear than for the eye. And so those of you who are listening to this audiobook, 
you're getting the experience as it was meant to be experienced. It was designed for you, the listener, at least as much as for the eyes of a reader. There were several words or phrases that uh, I realized in the course of recording the audiobook that I had no idea how to pronounce. One was a Greek word that Martin Luther King was very fond of, a word that means selfless love, and that word is agape, A-G-A-P-E. Looks like agape, and so I knew it wasn't pronounced agape, but to say agape made it sound sort of vaguely Latin American or Spanish or Portuguese or something, and that didn't seem quite right either. But trust me, agape is correct. What I'm really excited for listeners to hear in the way that I've tried to read this audiobook, well, it's not even to hear. What I'm excited for them to feel is to be able to imagine being in the room where these Civic Saturdays are happening. Each Civic Sermon that I read in this audiobook, on purpose, I kept the introductory lines that talked about how glad I was to be in Des Moines, Iowa, or why we were so proud to be at this institution in Seattle, or why it meant so much to be here in Atlanta. And for a listener, wherever they may be, I hope there is this sense, I hope you feel my sense of spirit as I'm reading these sermons and really trying to connect with the people who did in fact show up in Seattle or Des Moines or Atlanta or wherever it might have been, and felt at least for that moment bound together with others in a room, in a sense of community, even if it was a room full of people who an hour earlier had been total strangers to them. I hope if you're listening to the audiobook, wherever you are, you will be stirred in the same way to want to connect with other folks wherever you may live. You know, my dream narrator for this audiobook, I guess my answer to that question goes to something that I've been told a lot. I actually can't tell myself whether it's true because one can never fully clearly hear the sound of one's own voice, but I've been told that my voice sounds a lot like the voice of Rob Lowe, particularly the Rob Lowe character in The West Wing, Sam Seaborn. So I guess it would be a fun, you know, not taste test, whatever the audio version of a taste test is, to have Rob Lowe read this audiobook and see if y'all could tell the difference between that famous actor and this unknown dude with a voice that sounds like his. Hi, this is Jill Lepore, and I'm the author of This America, The Case for the Nation. I wrote this book because I was asked to write an essay for Foreign Affairs magazine on the resurgence of nationalism in the United States and around the world. And I wrote this somewhat hot-headed essay on why I think historians had been complicit in allowing for the return and resurgence of nationalism, and I was asked to turn it into a short book. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be thirsty. Is there a word or phrase I don't know how to pronounce most personal names I don't know how to pronounce? What about my narration of my proudest stuff? <laughs> my shameless attempt to do other people's voices, despite having no capacity to do that. What's the last great audiobook I listened to? That would be The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, read by Brian Cranston. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I like to listen to them in the woods with my dog. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind the mic content and audiobook recommendations, 
visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com backslash next listen.